Welcome to Expert Minutes. I'm John Hambone McGuire, and today my guest is none other than the world's number one hypnotherapist, Paul McKenna. Now, Paul is an international best-selling author whose books have sold more than 10 million copies worldwide and have been translated into 32 languages. He's recognized by the Times as one of the world's most important self-help gurus. He's also the UK's most successful nonfiction author, and he's renowned worldwide for helping people treat their most difficult problems. So today on the show, Paul is going to tell us a little bit more about what brought him to the world of hypnotherapy. So without further ado, Paul McKenna. So hey, Paul, how's it going? It's going great, John. And how about you? You know, I can't complain. We usually like to kick these episodes off with a pretty standard question, and that is... What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I wanted to be a rock star at one point, And then I knew I was going to be famous, actually, when I was young. I didn't know what it was for. I, and I guessed it was in the area of communication. And, you know, obviously, when I saw my first James Bond film at the age 10, I thought that might be a good thing. But I quite liked art. And then I became interested in, in radio and broadcasting. And actually, that was my first job was as a DJ. And you got into radio when you were 16, correct? Yeah, I was working in a fashion store. I was the in-house DJ. And then we had a number of pirate radio stations that were based on land. And I worked in a couple of them. And then on a radio station on a ship, the most famous pirate radio station probably in history, Radio Caroline. And I moved into local commercial radio. And I was interested in yoga and meditation. I went to interview the local hypnotist. And I was very stressed that day. I'd broken up with my girlfriend, had a row with my boss, the people in the apartment where I was living were making a noise, keeping me up. And the guy said, look, rather than me talk about it, I think I should do it to you. And I was benevolently skeptical. I said, knock yourself out. And I felt so relaxed. My mind cleared. I could suddenly feel, I felt unburdened. That was what the best way to put it. And I could see solutions to problems. And what felt like it had just been a few minutes was in fact about half an hour. And I awoken or came out of this, you know, intensely relaxed state of concentration. And I said, this is great. Have you got any books? And the guy lent me some books and then it became my passion. And I decided I wanted to be a hypnotist. Well, clearly I'd been dealing with my breakups in the absolute wrong way. That sounds amazing. Yeah, actually, I wrote a book called I Can Mend Your Broken Heart. And, you know, the Buddhists say your heart is supposed to be broken because that's how it opens. And so um, it's natural that when somebody we love is gone, either because they've left us or we've left them or they've died or whatever, that we feel sad because otherwise, how can we have any sense of value? It's just that you don't want to live in that emotion because it would be uncomfortable and dysfunctional. So it's very interesting because... The very first thing in the conversation was that you wanted to be a rock star when you grew up. In a lot of ways, you have become that rock star because you've gone on to become the world's number one hypnotherapist. At the same time, the thing you're most known for is really helping people treat their most difficult problems, which in some ways, you know, they say music will help heal. However, you actually get in there and help people access the parts of themselves that they need to make the little pivots to, to help them be better. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I think of myself 
And indeed, other people have commented that I approach psychology, self-help, behavioral science as an, almost an entertainer in that sense. And I suppose I see performing as something that I can do. It's not naturally who I am, but um, it's definitely something that I can use as a set of skills. I see what I do really is a bit like being a computer programmer or an engineer. The British comedian Russell Brand called me a psychological mechanic recently. And so even though human beings are mysterious and amazing, the way they operate, as far as I see, is pretty mechanical. They use systems and patterns, and that's kind of what I look for when I'm helping somebody either to change their programming because it's dysfunctional, because they want to lose weight, they want to quit smoking, they want to get over their phobia, they're obsessive compulsive about something, they've got you know something that's actually spoiling their quality of life, or they're a super achiever and they want to be even better. They're a world-class athlete, a CEO, somebody from the arts, a performer, something like that. And they want to be in what athletes call the zone, what musicians call the groove and psychologists call flow, and they want to produce even better, more amazing performances. That's very interesting because people who are already in that CEO mindset or who are already in that athletic mindset, you know, coming at it from an idea of programming where they're just essentially trying to overcome that next hurdle to get to that next level. It's very easy for them to allow you in to the idea of programming and reprogramming. Whereas I'd imagine for the average person, you know, everyone thinks that their own feelings are the most important thing and whatever is happening in their internal world is everything. Do you think that approaching this through sort of an entertainment eye helps people let their guards down and be a little more open and willing to let you get in there and start reprogramming? Yes, I definitely think my background in entertainment has been of use. In fact, you know, I think of what I do as sort of edutainment, you know, and at times kind of stand-up therapy almost. So when I'm delivering a seminar, webinar, whatever, instead of making it like a lecture, and on occasion you do need to, I tend to make mine much more conversational and exciting and humorous and things like that. Because I think that when you get people into positive states of mind and body, they're going to learn better. So certainly you're going to find it more enjoyable. And certainly the people who are the great sort of educators that I've learned from over the years bring that quality. They can impart information and yet make it enjoyable. And as an operator in the field of, say, therapy and coaching, again, sometimes it has to be very serious. And indeed, what I've been working on mostly over the last decade, which is PTSD, depression, trauma, um, etc., really heavy stuff with war veterans, rape victims, bereavement cases, all sorts of stuff that, you know, is certainly very challenging. Sometimes it's useful to be serious and sometimes it's really useful to be able to bring humor or lightheartedness. I don't mean making fun of, but finding the humor and the sort of the absurdity in things to change perspectives, to get a paradigm shift. And so that kind of flexibility in thinking and communication is really what I suppose is useful. I like the law of requisite variety where the part of a system that has the most flexibility will end up in control of the system, be it a political party, a family, a corporation, etc. So in this time when the big buzzword is resilience, everyone wants resilience, 
in corporate land, resilience doesn't just mean toughing it out. It means flexibility. It means being able to think outside the box or in ways that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily in order to solve problems that, you know, are new and challenging. We live in times where there are problems that exist that have never existed before. And indeed, they will require thinking that is beyond thinking that we've used before. Now, that's brilliant. And I know with that, many people of the likes of, say, Tony Robbins, Dan Brown, you know, they're at the forefront and some of the more widely known names, I mean, they have Netflix specials and whatnot, when it comes to, you know, self-help and change, you paved the way for that with your own TV shows. You've been doing TV shows, books and seminars now for years, right? Yeah, I mean, I started out doing entertainment hypnosis shows back in the 90s. And I had a big show that played all around the world. And I would hypnotize people to do daft things, you know, to think that they were a ballerina or the broom they're talking to is their favorite supermodel and we would laugh about it and it was purely comedy and after a while doing that I thought much as I enjoyed it I really was more interested in the scientific and self-improvement applications of the technology of hypnosis and modern psychology, in particular neuro-linguistic programming. And indeed, my most prolific teacher, Dr. Richard Bandler, the co-creator of NLP, you know, has had a big influence on my work. And so I decided, um, sort of beginning of this century, to abandon all of that sort of stuff. Actually, slightly before that, I began writing books. And I wanted to do self-improvement televisions. So that is programs whereby you watch people with all kinds of incurable problems, you know, get cured or indeed sometimes not. But you go on their journey. Uh, and also programs whereby watching it, you would get some improvement or benefit through the process of just viewing it. So it wouldn't just be voyeuristically looking at people with problems. It would actually be seen solutions you could apply in your life to help you with different things. I began in, you know, pure entertainment comedy and moved into self-help, but in a very mainstream sort of viewable way, rather than something a little bit serious and academic. Well, you know, it's a great way to break into any kind of business is to get people to see you in one way, accept you in that way, and then pivot and shift to a new version of it. I mean, you've done books, you've done TV shows. You also have now gotten into podcasting. You have a podcast called Paul McKenna's Positivity Podcast. And how do you find the change of media over time? Well, having come from radio originally, I like the podcast medium because unlike, say, announcer-driven talk radio, where you basically talk in eight-minute slots and it's strictly themed, etc., you know, which is fine, you know, for that sort of medium. Podcasts give you so much more scope. First of all, they're niche, so they can be on, you know, on very specific subjects that appeal to a particular demographic rather than a widespread. But they listen on demand. Often people, when they're listening to a podcast or viewing a podcast, are doing something else, you know, so they have that sort of conversational fly on the wall kind of feel about them. How the podcast came about was I did a couple of TV series for Hulu where I interviewed interesting people like Tony Robbins or Sir Roger Moore or Richard Dawkins or Rachel Ray or, you know, a whole host of different people from business, the arts, sports, etc. You know, I'm thinking Paul Oakenfold, Vinnie Jones, uh, you know, Ryan Seacrest. It was a very eclectic mix. And I interviewed them as a psychologist, not as a journalist. And I really quite enjoyed doing those. And then a media company approached me and said, look, we love this. Podcast is a new big thing. Would you like to do it? I said, yes, I've got an idea. Rather than just 
asking people, how is it you do what you do, which was the Hulu series. I wanted to know how it is that successful people's mindsets worked. And so through a series of questions, without actually asking those questions formally, going, how does your success mindset work? I could go around the houses and suddenly, bam, it would just be obvious to the person listening after half an hour. You would suddenly be able to see the world through the eyes of Simon Cowell or Richard E. Grant, you know, or Joe Malone, or this morning I interviewed John Cleese, you know. So you get their rich, beautiful perspective on how they overcome obstacles, how they see the world, what excites them, what makes them happy, what it is that makes them who they are. And so the general idea is that firstly, it's uplifting because when you're in an uplifted state of mind and body and somebody is entrained in the form of listening through the mirror neurons in the brain, and if you like the flow state I was talking about earlier that you get into, it's uplifting in itself. So, you know, any fantastic piece of art or say performance in sport or something like that that you can entrain to will be uplifting if the performer or the artist is uplifted during their performance or expression of art. So in the same way, what I'm doing is I'm finding out what makes these extraordinary people positive, what gives them their brilliance, their resilience, that sort of stuff. And in the course of listening, it gives you the same. So it's not just another interview about, you know, do you like this kind of latte? Or, you know, what do you do in your spare time? It's actually fairly deep penetrating questions into the psyche of extraordinary people. And it's with that type of mindset that I imagine you've been able to achieve as much as you have. Now, having done everything that you've done, what's next for Paul McKenna? Well, I am a work in progress. You know, I still have problems and challenges. That's how you learn and grow. I had a bit of a shift in the last few years. I was living in Los Angeles for a decade, which I very much enjoyed. But my life was about pleasure, you know, so it was about money, power, fame, etc. And there's kind of no end to it. You know, you just have to have a bigger house or more money or whatever. And I've had a fantastic shift in my life in that I've gone over to a life driven by values. So values, obviously, the most important things to us, mine in particular, are health, family, love, creativity, loyalty, you know, laughter, things like that. So if I can tick the box each day going, do I feel healthy physically, psychologically? Do I feel loved? Do I love my family, my friends? Um, Did I do something creative? Did I do something positive today? Did I enjoy life? Yeah. Then... I am living rich. I'm living life on my own terms, and it's good. I used to be a relentless goal setter, and you know, there's no doubt that definitely was part of my success strategy in the past. The only thing is, though, if I didn't achieve exactly what I wanted when I wanted to, I get upset. Now I tend to have a direction, and the direction is moved very much more online. Even though I've been a book author for years, I just started an online course with a wonderful company called Mind Valley on everyday bliss, controlling stress and anxiety anxiety and feeling good for no other reason than we program your mind to do so. And so in the same way that, you know, you'd read a chapter of a book over a few days with an online course, it's 21, 12 minute lessons that you get each day. And after the 21 days, you are different in a very good way. So things like that appeal very much to me now, you know, and when I make say apps, you know, uh, to help people sleep or to lose weight or to be confident, what the need about that is because people have smartphones now, they can go, hang on, I'm just needing a boost of confidence. I don't bump, I'll pop the button, I pop out and I do a technique to you, or say you, you can't sleep at night, you hit the button on your phone, and I again, I run a technique that calms your mind down and makes you want to go to sleep. So, digital technology is going to play a big role in the future. You know, I like doing television, I like working 
working one-to-one with people. What I'm finding is webinars, John, have become very popular. So these can be big ones with, you know, thousands of people watching, or they can be very intimate with 20 people. And what I tend to do, my format is, I talk about something, I'll say like, who here has been through a trauma that they cannot get over and uh, they'd like me to help them? And I choose, you know, choose somebody, 10, 15 minutes later, they are cured. And then I turn and I do it on everyone in the group. So these webinars or indeed live events tend to be a bit like an evangelist rally, but without the religion. They're about um, amazing, spectacular, powerful change. Because I believe if you give someone a fish, they eat for a day, teach someone a fish, they eat for life. What I like to do is demonstrate how easy it is to change, do a change process on one person. Everyone sees how it happens. And if they want, they can join in and have it happen to them. So that tends to be the format of my webinars at Seven House. That's fantastic. And for people who want to check out your webinars, where can they find you? Well, if you want to find anything these days, the internet is the easiest thing. If you want to listen to my podcasts, go Paul McKenna's Positivity Podcast into your search engine. If you want to find out about a webinar, either go to paulmckenna.com or just put Paul McKenna webinar into Google or, you know, whatever it is that you use. And it will take you instantly to, you know, where you can find out where I am. Because at the moment, you know, the world is going through a change. So sometimes I'm able to physically go somewhere. Sometimes it's online. Some people actually prefer not to have to travel and all of that. They want to actually just sit in their living room or study and join in in real time, you know. So so the neat thing is, is you can find out about anybody pretty quickly now by putting it into the internet. And, you know, I will say I've definitely had friends who have done webinars like this and they've definitely gone to seminars and they've traveled to those places and there was always the people who wanted to go but they could never get the gumption up to get off the couch and like leave the house to do it so the <laughs> idea of you coming to their living room you're taking that last excuse right off the table but you know that's so true and when i first started doing these about six months ago i thought yeah it's not the same as being there in real life etc but the feedback was exactly what you just said, which is I didn't have the effort, the expense or the inconvenience, etc. I could just sit there and watch or could watch when I want on demand. So, you know, these are just one of the many benefits that technology is bringing now uh, to our way of life and will shape the future. Very cool. Paul, I got one last question for you. Sure. What is the achievement you're most proud of? That's a very interesting one. Do you know, the other day I looked on the internet and I've sold about 10 million books. I think it is, but I was on the internet and I, I saw that lots of people had posted my trances, many of them just because they wanted to spread the word as it were. I mean, these are unauthorized postings, but I started looking at the number of viewings and I got to about 50 million. And I was really surprised because when I started out as a hypnotherapist, I thought in my lifetime I could work with a few thousand people. And so I made some cassettes in those days back in the 80s. And then I realized I could get to tens of thousands of people. And then it became millions. And then it became tens of millions. And so I suppose it's having had an effect on the lives of many people. But it's very hard to say one thing. If you pin me down, it's going to be that. But, you know, some days it's just trying to be the best husband I can be or the best friend I can be, you know. But, yeah, one of my friends said he thought I should be proud of having made, in some cases, a small difference, in other cases, a big difference to the lives of many people who I'll never meet. But just the knowledge of that should be something that, you know, is a thing to feel really good about. And I suppose that's what I'm going to say. Well, that's very cool. Paul, thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. 
Oh, not at all, John. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much to Paul for coming on the show. Folks, if you want to get to know Paul a little better, definitely check out his podcast, Paul McKenna's Positivity Podcast, wherever podcasts are found. Thanks again for listening to Expert Minutes. I'm John Hambone McGuire. And remember, if your day job's not your dream job, keep hustling. Hey nerds, I'm Sarah, the Paper Nerd, and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on the paper fold where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five-star paper salon, The Paper Fold, now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network.